0: Good morning everybody, Uh, glad to see all of you. I'm Dave and I get to be the pastor of this wonderful group of Christ followers, it's such an incredibly exciting time in the history of our young church, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we are the church and God has given us an incredible building, it really is such an incredible space. Uh, Every week I drive through this city, I drive in this region and I'm thinking and I see building after building and I think, you know, God has given us the perfect building for how we minister and who we are. Thank God, I'm so glad. So, we are in this series called Swimming Upstream. I think this is the fifth week of our series. We'll end it out next week. Uh, And this word, Swimming Upstream, it's kind of a a word play to describe what a guy named Daniel, kind of what occurred in his life going back before Jesus Christ was born. See, Daniel was a Jewish, was a young Jewish man, uh, who uh, lived in God's promised land. Babylonians came along, Babylonian Empire ravaged his land and took him and his friends and family and other people captive and brought him over into Babylon. And there now Daniel is got to live in a culture that you know really worshiped we would call them false gods, we would say that, right or idols. Uh, For the most part, they really worship themselves, right? It's kind of a hedonistic society. And here now is Daniel, you know, brought up and new to worship the one true God, the God of the heavens, the most holy and high God. And so what is Daniel going to do? Is he going to compromise his faith? A little bit here, a little bit there, kind of one foot in, one foot out, sitting on a fence, you know, testing the temperature, right? Or totally shelving his faith, as many did, putting it aside, abandoning it, or is he going to live out his faith, you know, in this, in this most difficult at a time depraved culture, you know, in an unwavering manner, huh? And what we would call is, you know, and, and how do we live out, you know, how do we live a godly life in an ungodly world, right? And that's what we're looking into the life of Daniel for, to see how he did that. Because he did, you know, he got there at 14 years old and he lived there right up until his 80s. Entire life he lived in Babylon, and right to the end, Daniel held to his faith in God, huh? And it was hard. I'm sure at times Daniel felt like he was swimming upstream, right? Not an easy thing to do, most difficult, but nonetheless, Daniel did that. Huh? And, and, and the book, and, and while he's going through this, he writes these words inspired by God, that become the book of Daniel that's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament part of the Bible. The Bible is two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is all that was recorded in the Bible and the world from the creation of the world to right before Jesus was born. And it's not in a chronological order. It's in categories, and one of those categories is prophetic, what we call prophetic books, meaning God is speaking through men and speaking through people to let us know what's coming in the world let alone in our lives, huh? giving us warning, alerts, and sometimes just telling us this is going to happen, right? Or this is not, or this will happen if you do or don't do this. These kind of alerts and warnings and prophecy that we see. And, and that's a good thing. You know, God does such a thing because he loves us. He's a good God. And, and and if we look to that, we'd be encouraged and not turn away from it, not be uncomfortable hearing it, but realize the reason why you and I can sit here today and be Informed. Who wants to be ignorant? Anybody <laughs> ignorant? I didn't call you ignorant. I said, who wants to be ignorant? Who wants to be informed? I like to be informed, you know. In my home, we have a thing. I want to hear good news now. I mean bad news. <laughs> I say, I want to hear the... and not that this is bad news, but my point is the reason why I say it that way is I want to be informed. I want to be informed. I don't want to be ignorant. So God, in his justice, in his mercy, in his love, he informs us because we are the greatest of all his creation. We are his first fruits, and we will glorify him here on earth. Yes? Amen. All right, so let's jump right in. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. King Belshazzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, we've talked about him a lot the first three weeks. He's no longer on the scene now. King Belshazzar is. And, about, and the word says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Well, Belshazzar was drinking his wine... He gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, the former king, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone." So here's the king, young king, by the way, large group of who's who in Babylon. They're kind of hanging around, right? They're letting the good times roll. They're living and let live, right? And while they're doing this, they're mocking God. They're disrespecting God. They're doing it blatantly and intentionally, right? They're taking these things out, well, that are holy to God, and they're disrespecting them, let alone disregarding them, denigrating them. goes Daniel chapter 5, verse 5 through 6, goes on to say, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. So God chooses to communicate to the king by making a human hand. Fingers appear, not sure where they came from, out of the wall, out of the ground, out of the sky. Remember the out of the box, the Adams family, remember the hand? It was a good show. (laughs) So the king watched as the hand wrote. Verse 6 says, his face turned pale. He was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. Some verses says that his his legs collapsed. He could not stand any longer. So what he's saying is the king is shook up, right? Some versions say he kind of like passed out. He faints. But then at some point he kind of comes to, comes out of this terrified state. And verse 7 through 9 says the king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, And diviners, and then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around their neck, and he will be made the the third highest in all all of Babylon, the third highest ruler in all of Babylon. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. They were shook up as well. So the king brings in all these persons, right, to figure out what this mysterious hand has written on the wall. And they cannot figure it out. And the reason why is only God knows what it means, huh? It's a mystery to them, but not to God. God knows the mysteries of life. God knows the mystery to your life as well. God has the answers. And you will not know that until you connect to the one true God. Your life is a mystery. I I got that, right? And God has the answers to that mystery. Psalm 139, David says, All the days appointed to me are written in your book, the Bible, Scripture are written in your book before one of them came to be, meaning God knows your life. He's mapped out your life. He's got it. If you're ever going to figure out life, you must connect to God. You cannot. I am not uh, obnoxious. I don't like to speak in an unintelligent way or in a hyperbole way, if you will. I appreciate theories. I appreciate academia, um, research coming from believers or unbelievers, atheists or, be, or, or, or believers and followers of Christ. But I would make this statement. You cannot and you will not figure out life apart from God. It is impossible to figure out life, the totality from of it, the complexity of it, all that life is without connecting with the author and finisher of life itself. You just cannot do it. So what happens next now is King Belshazzar, his mom, good old mom, like, you know, comes running in and reminds her son, how a Jewish man named Daniel had helped his father, the previous king, interpret dreams and figure out some really difficult problems. And she tells him, why don't you call for this man named Daniel? So Daniel chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says, so Daniel was brought before the king and the king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you. And that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means. But they cannot explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretation and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So Daniel hears the king out. And for the most part says, listen... I don't want your money. You can keep it. Matter of fact, give it to somebody else, right? I can tell you what the words mean to you. But first, Daniel, now, you know, Daniel, he's been around the block a few times. He's kicking up in his high 80s, I mean, high 70s, low 80s. He's thinking, you know, I'm just going to put it straight to him, right? I'm going to tell this guy where it's at. And he says, listen, hey, king, your dad, he tried this game with God before. He ignored the warnings God had given him, Right? He did not humble himself, and he wound up apart from his throne for seven years, had the mind of an animal. Huh? Belshazzar probably remembers this. And so, but then Daniel goes on to say, but he came back out of that, and he praised God, and he thanked God. And Daniel keeps on going. He says this, but you, Belshazzar, his son, you have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven, you had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank, from them, drank wine from them. You praised gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he set the hand that wrote the inscription. Ah. So Daniel is telling Belshazzar, Hey, you are ignoring God. You have ignored God. I want you to get this. I want you to listen up here. I want you to see something in verse 23 where Daniel says these words. He says to Belshazzar, Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. So now, when I uh, met Christy, I was like 28 at the time. And, you know, a short time after I met her, I decided I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And um, and so I had this great plan. She was going to Bible College in Rhode Island. She had two years left to go, uh, Barrington, Rhode Island. I was living in Brooklyn, New York, and I thought, okay, in those two years, you know, I'll make her my girlfriend, all right. And then in the two years, I can hang out and do what I want to do and be a guy in Brooklyn, and I'll you know I'll make some money. I figured maybe I make a quarter of a million dollars, save some money up. And then when I, you know, I'll be 30 years old and I'll stop doing all my stuff and show Philip finish being a nun or a Bible college girl or whatever. And, and then, you know, I'll go and I'll move where she moves and we'll get a, like a nice house with a white fence and we'll get a golden retriever and we'll live happily ever after. This is a good plan, right? So what was I doing? The same thing I've been doing for all my life. I was setting myself up. I was laying out my life. From thoughts that were deprived, depraved, apart from God, filled with, believe it or not, fear and control and on and on. Look, many of us, many of you, we live out our lives in the same way, filled with the same thoughts. They might not be as whacked as my thoughts were. Meaning we try and set ourselves up apart from God for success, for protection, for happiness. Meaning we set ourselves up. And literally, we're setting ourselves up, aren't we? But not usually for success, or for happiness, or for peace, or for joy, or for comfort. Why don't we, this morning, decide we're going to trust God? Why don't we decide this morning, right here today, in this wonderful summer morning, that we will not live out our lives apart from God. We will take every thought captive that comes into our mind. We will be mindful of what's happening within our emotions and our minds that it honors God and we consider God. Because God is speaking to you and He is telling us when we are going in the wrong direction. This is the story of the Old Testament. This is the story that God gives us. If you're going in the wrong direction, if you're setting yourself up to fail, if you're setting yourself up for pain, God is there to call out to you, to give you directions, to speak to you, to provide for you. And he could whisper, and he could whip. Right? I think it really depends on how good and how soon we listen. I've been whipped. The whisper is so much better. (laughs) Listen. What God is telling us is this. Stop setting yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You don't need to do that. Praise the Lord of heaven. Thank the Lord of heaven. Submit to the Lord of heaven. Huh? Worship the Lord of heaven. Look, we connect to things to find the meaning of life. We often wind up connecting when we set ourselves up to what does not bring meaning into our lives. And does not honor God. And it does not honor the God who what? What does the scripture say here? Who holds your life in his hands. It's a powerful verse right there, right? Daniel is telling Belshazzar, hey, This God, he holds your life in his hands, and he holds all your ways in his hands. As he did your father, and he did to me, God holds your life in his hands, right? Connect to God in all of your ways. As you hear this message today, God is writing on the wall for you. He is. We use that phrase in our culture, it means imminent doom, right? The writing is on the wall, Huh? There's another way to describe that, let me just, hold on, let me refresh my brain. It's a colloquialism. How do you like that, huh? Okay, just thought I'd toss that out there. Okay, all right, so it's a phrase. It means you better straighten up soon or severe consequences coming. I can say colloquialism, but I still consistently can't say asks. I did it, though, I said it, right? I said it right, asks. All right, all right, so I'm practicing that for the new building. I just want you to know that. So back to the words on the wall. Daniel chapter five, verse 25 through 28. This is what it says. This is the inscription. Daniel is speaking to Belshazzar. He says, this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel parson. Here is what these words mean. Many, many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. All right, so Daniel is telling Belshazzar, your reign, your being king. The days are numbered, and God is bringing it to an end. Meaning you have a set amount of time left. You and I, we have a small bit of time in this thing called life, right? You do. We might not want to recognize that. Sometimes we don't. If we don't recognize that, we we tend not to live properly, which is why God is warning us, right? God is warning us. Why is he warning us? Why does he give us this word, and of all the things he could have put in this book we call Bible, the Holy Scripture, why here? Why this story of Daniel? Why is he doing this? Why am I giving you this word today? Why is God telling us that our days are numbered? Because God knows us, and he knows that if we think we have plenty of something, then we tend to waste and squander it. Yes or no? We do that, right? You know. Whereas we think we have a limited amount of something, we tend to be a bit more careful and deal with it in a, bit more, in a bit more wise way, right? And God knows that we need to be reminded and reminded again that our days are short, right? He says in the book of James, which is in the New Testament, after Jesus was born, that our life is just a mist. It's been said that we're living in a dash, right? Which is between birth and death. We just live in this dash, Huh? Between the day you were born and the day you die, my friends, you and I, we have a date with death. And just this laughing and this giggling, and there's a bunch of amens out there. And Dave, thanks so much for encouraging us. But listen, (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says this People are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. And there you go. I mean, that's a great refrigerator magnet, right? We should have ordered them and handed them out today, huh? I'd love to walk into somebody's house and see that on their fridge, yeah? Huh? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for making me one. Look, I get it. That verse doesn't fire you up. It, as I say, it doesn't make you all warm and fuzzy, right? But we need to be reminded of this truth. And God does. Why? Because He loves us and He knows us. Because. If we think we have plenty of money, we waste it. If we think we have plenty of money, the 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 lights are stay on dogs. We he knows us, right? And you you see movies, what was one called? The bucket list or something like that, or movies where people have or songs even, you know, Live Like You're Dying, who's that? Tim McGraw? How's that? Okay, okay, I got it. And I don't like country music. But all the all this is about people now looking at life realizing they don't have much time left and they focus on what's most important and they do what is most meaningful right think right now if you had less time to live if your time was limited to live which it is what can you stop doing that will now honor god what can you start doing that will honor god what can you start doing huh that will Acknowledge that, that your life is in God's hand. What can you stop doing that will now undermine your setting yourself up in life? Huh? What can you do? Suddenly, things that matter so much to you might not matter as much, right? And things that don't matter at all will matter so much. And I see this when people lose loved ones, I see this when they go through tragedy in lives. All of a sudden, there's clarity and, and there's focus, huh? All right, let's keep going on. Verse 27. It says here in verse 27, tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Wow. So what, what's being said here is the way you're living, the way you're living your life, it's been measured. And, he, and what Daniel is telling Belshazzar is God has weighed your life. He's, put, he's measured the way you've been living your life, the choice you've been making, what you've been doing, and it's, it's not adding up. Belshazzar, and if we were to turn around, you and I, and we were to ask God to measure how we spend our lives, if we were to ask God, are we in balance, what would the answer be? And, and here's, what I, here's the point here. That's why we need to be reminded. That's why we need to bring these messages, because m- more times than not, or from time to time, our lives will go out of balance. Yeah, My life has and everybody said, amen. <laughs> you know? Your life. But honestly, the last several months have been really convicting to me and, and really challenging to me. That I realized I, 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 there was more for me to grow in. And I, and I had some shortcomings. I mean, it really squeezed me in so many ways. And I fought with all I could to bring balance and to do what was good. And, and I I'd fall short and I do okay. And it was just this muck and all of this, just trying to be involved in my family's life, trying to be a pastor, trying to do this, and school, and all that. And and where was the balance in that? There really wasn't seemingly any. But I keep getting this reminder, you know, to honor God, to fear judgment, to trust God. You know, Franklin Covey said something like, when a plane leaves, it's, um, you know, the airport, and it sets out for destination. 95% of the time, it's off course but it's going in the right direction, right? You know, it's keeping tacking back. Tack back to the scripture, to the Bible. Tack back to God's truth. Tack back to you sitting there and poising and hearing God speak to you and holding on to it, not just pushing it aside. Let God work on you. Let realize that you are not perfect, that you can't do it all, right? Come to a place where you can settle back and trust in God. When I've done that along this way, that's when we had most success. Ah, I'm telling you, you know? And with, with little I gave him along the way. I mean, I got to tell you, he's done beautiful things with it. You know, I just... We try so hard and we mean to do well as parents, as people, as husbands and wives. And man, there's so much cutting, coming at us, right? It, it, it can be tiring. But I will tell you, if you'd honor God, he will do so much with what you give him. He will take... If you do... If you give him like that woman, if you give him pennies, but from, the, from your heart, from all you can, with what you can, he will glorify himself through that. You know, it, it's, for me and my oldest boy, it, 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 we've had some challenging moments these last several months. And, and we've grown, and I always say good growth in relationships come through pain, period, end of story. It's the truth. Two people who love each other, who are not wanting to give up, who both want to honor God, who are centered on Christ, who are growing together, huh? Battling the enemy, you're going to see growth in that relationship, right? And uh, I, uh, yesterday we uh, drove out to Hull. And, uh, my oldest boy was uh, invited to be part of a um, what do you call them? Wedding party, Wedding party. you know, it's a big one, and they had a, the weddings on the beach and. And uh, he uh, and they rented out a house, and he's going to be with these like it's a, twelve guys. It's a huge wedding party. I mean, I'm, I took crazy. I'm like, not even Italians have wedding parties that size. <laughs> and here he's going to be in his house with twelve guys. He's the youngest, upwards of twenty-seven years old. You know, the whole party all through Saturday, over Saturday night, and into Sunday. And I'm thinking, you know, I think this is just the time to let it go, right? And you know, and I got to tell you. And I'm like, man, I, I wish I could have back this year right now, you know. Yeah. And I was going to say no, calculating the year and, the, and some of the difficulties and challenges and the wonderful moments with the painful moments. And I just said, you know, Dave, no, you, you, you need to trust God. You, you, you failed at times and you weren't, but you prayed and you sought God and you, you asked forgiveness and, you, and you, you served God and you honored God and you did some good things. You need to trust God here now. You need to trust God. And I let him go. And when I drove out of there, oh my God, I got to tell you, there's nothing harder than being a parent, right? I didn't let anybody see it, but man, I was, I was hurting, you know? And, um, and I just prayed on and off the whole way home. Christy thought I was sleeping, and she almost slapped me three times, which somebody needs to tell my wife not to slap her husband in the face when he's driving, and she thinks he's falling asleep. And you know, 6.30 this morning, I'm working on the sermon. Not even 10 after 6 this morning, I'm working on the sermon. My phone buzzes, I flip it over, and it says, Hi, Dad, it's Justin, I just want to tell you I love you. How good, man. Yeah. So, and in that moment, I just sat there and I had joy. Because I knew that God is a merciful God a forgiving God, he's a loving God. And if we will just let him set things up, if we will just pursue him and trust in him, huh? Is when we look to our lives, will we make sure, wow, what's, as we look through them through the lens of loving God and we say, what is out of balance? What in our lives is where it shouldn't be? You might not be able to catch it day to day, but after several weeks or a few months, you might say, wow, there is something here going on that is not honoring God in this relationship. The way I'm seeing money, what's happening with my, my, in my health, this is not honoring God. This is not glorifying God. We live to enjoy God and glorify Him, yes? When you glorify God, you enjoy God. When you enjoy God, you glorify Him, huh? Trust in God. All right, so let's kick through here. Look, God is telling us today, he's warning us. He's saying, watch out, your life might be out of balance. And he's saying, don't be afraid to do what needs to be done to bring it into balance. Did you hear that? Because whatever you do, and don't think you can't do enough, Because whatever you do with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength to honor me and love me and step out to begin to bring this into balance, I will glorify myself through your efforts and I will multiply your efforts exponentially and do more than you can measure, more than you can imagine, and more than you can hope for. Do you hear me? This is what he does. All right, our lives matter so much more than just, you know, Eating and drinking and being merry and just indulging. and huh? Jesus says that this day your very life could, will be taken from you. Look at your life today. What you're doing, the way you're thinking, the way you're being. And say, "What is this adding purpose to my life? The way I think and what I do with this relationship, is it good? Is this what I was made for? Was I not made for so much more? Was I not made to worship the one true God and enjoy him and glorify him? All right, moving on, verse 28. Little rough jump there, but we're going to go. Parson, the word parson, the last word written on the wall by this hand. It means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. This is Daniel now telling Belshazzar this. God is wanting us to know that if we don't realize our days are numbered and we have limited time on earth, if we're not thinking that way, huh? and we don't bring our lives into balance in a way that honors him, that your lives will be divided, meaning something is going to be damaged. There's going to be destruction, there's going to be loss, there's going to be suffering somewhere in our lives. You cannot ignore this principle. You cannot um, contest this principle. It's just true. Don't be divided. In Belshazzar's case, it was his kingdom. Huh? And Daniel told him, you're going to lose your kingdom to the Medes and the Persians. They will now take over your kingdom, and they will take over Babylon. In your life, what will the division be? What will be divided? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship with your children? Is it your health? Where is division, fracturing, going to come from? And does it need to come? But today you could say, you know what? I have a limited number of days here on earth, and I'm going to glorify God with each one of them. I'm going to pause right now and just think of God in all my ways. Huh? I'm going to let God now appoint and make my steps that are going forward, right? I'm not going to set myself up. I'm going to examine my life and see, well, what is out of balance? Okay, you know what? I'm not going to look at that through the lens of fear. I'm not going to gaze at my problems and glance at God. I'm going to gaze at God and say, God, let's go. Let's take that first step, whatever I can do to start bringing things and making things right, whatever it takes, huh? And with that... God will bring it into balance in a way that you could never have imagined. huh? Don't be divided. These are warnings from God, and these, this is how warnings go, right? You know, you get a little bit of an indicator. Oh, is that a little ache in my side there? Oh, is that a little light on my dashboard? We get these warnings, and the more we ignore them, the worse the problem gets, right? Today, this morning, God, Holy Spirit, He's speaking to you. He's giving you some warnings in this relationship, in this way of life, in this addiction. He's saying, hey, this morning, I love you. Heads up. Stop doing that. Stop living like you can live forever here on earth. Stop thinking in a way, huh? Where. It's you're giving so much of who you are and how I made you to one thing, one person, one substance, one way of thinking, one dysfunctional way of behaving. Do you stop? One ambition. Stop doing that. Trust in me. God is wanting. God is a good father. He's a good, good God. Is he not? And he's speaking to us today. Now we just need to be quiet enough to hear him. Right? Sometimes it's so busy, it's so crazy, we're doing everything we can. Ecclesiastic speaks to just sometimes we could be so busy trying to accomplish so much that what if things were simpler and quieter, would we not have more? <laughs> right. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Sometimes it's our sinful ways and choices that, that create these clouds in our lives. But this morning, I believe God is speaking through the busyness and the mayhem. He's pushing past the the clouds, and he's speaking to you, and he's lovingly providing warnings, and he's saying heads up, and he's letting you know, I love you, huh? And he's speaking to your soul. Let's pause now and thank God and be encouraged and comforted, and let's be filled with hope and really feel empowered, huh? Like, we can do this, man. We can do this. Psalm 4610, David writes, be still and know that I am God. David writes, be still. God is speaking to David. And he says, be still, David, and all of what's going on in your life. And be still and know that I'm God. And that's what he's saying to each and every one of us here today. As our mind is flying all over the place. Like, you know, okay, uh, can I do that? Can I stop that? You know, that's what happens. We, we, uh, we're very quick in milliseconds. We're shutting things down that we're hearing. Okay, wait, I'd have to change that. Okay, I'd have to give that up. Okay, I'd have to do that. Okay, I'd have to call that one. I'd have to acknowledge I was wrong. Okay, beep, beep, beep. It's like that video going. We shoot them all down in seconds, right? Be still. And we got that mind going on like, well, yeah, this is kind of some good principle, but I mean, it's, it's not really true. I mean, this is kind of like a, a funny story, right? I mean, a hand writing stuff on the wall. I mean, it's got some good principles, but it's basically kind of BS stuff, right? You know, like a fairy tale, you know? Yeah, the only thing here to consider When you go there, if you're an atheist, if you're an unbeliever, or or you're just like I was, someone who's, you know, a critical thinker, and it's the obvious part, a piece of the puzzle here, what you're basing the whole thing on, you know, it's kind of like this hocus-pocus thing. World history, outside of biblical teaching, the history of the world, the documented, recorded history of the world, authentic, Daniel's words, these words were written before the Medes and the Persians took over. Babylon. So first the Medes took over, they were kind of like a part of Babylon, and then eventually the Persians did, and they became the new, the Persian Empire. So everything that Daniel said and wrote it and was recorded wound up happening in world history. That's powerful, isn't it? Got you, right? How could it not? Here's this Jewish man kicking around in his 70s and 80s, and he's saying, okay, king, first of all, the boldness and the courage to even say this. And he's speaking to speak into this guy's life and tell him it's going to happen. But he did it as much for Belshazzar, more for you today, inspired by God. And he says, here, let me tell you world history. Let me tell you what's going to go down in the world right now. The Medes are going to come in. You're going to die. You have a limited amount of time. He's thinking, hey, he had hours to go, what turned out, right? And, oh, the Medes, which he might have thought were his friends, because the Medes were part of kind of Babylon, Darius came over, they came. they're going to take your empire. Belshazzar, like, are you kidding me? got these guys in my back pocket. Yeah, they came, killed him, and took his empire. And by the way, after the Medes, you don't even know they're out there. The Persians are going to take over the Medes, and they're going to take this whole thing. This is what's going to happen. Put it on paper, and that's what happened. So this is true. This is critical. One of our values here at Church City, our first value is truth. We believe in Scripture. We believe it is without error. We believe it is powerful, inspiring, and given to us by God to guide us huh? and to comfort us. And that's what I hope this message is doing this morning. That it's comforting you, and it's inspiring you, and it's empowering you, huh? All right, let's finish out our story, and we can go up there. Worship team, do not you come on up? Daniel chapter five, verse twenty-nine through thirty-one. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. Wow. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Listen, as we close out, I want you to, this is your next step. I want you to start with this thinking. I am going to live With purpose and urgency, do you hear me this morning? Live with purpose and with urgency, huh? Say to yourself, "My days are numbered." Your days are numbered. Yeah, you can say that a lot, true. All right, sorry about that. You can look. Your days are numbered, and your life matters. Your life matters. You, it does. That's why God's given us this word. Your life matters. Have something in your life greater than your problems, greater than your fears, greater than your worries. That's what happens, man. We we when we are just when we're not living for something greater than ourselves, we wind up getting really caught up in our problems and our issues. It's all we see, and we live from that. That's our base. That's what fuels us, reacting and acting and 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 being motivated by these issues and dysfunctions and worries and perspectives that are warped and might not even be, huh? I mean, we actually make choices and act out based on that. But what if you live for something greater than yourself? You live with purpose and you live with what? You live with purpose and you live with, what what was it? What did I say, Iggy? You live with purpose and urgency. Are you trying to help Iggy out and help him cheat? You rise up out of that. You'd rise up out of that. You'd, God would take you from that, and then you would now overcome that. It's the only way to do it. That's why we do what we do here. That's why we have, we give you ways, kind of, to facilitate this way of living. That you come out of yourself. Huh? You live outside of yourself. That's why we do small groups that people come together with four people or ten or sometimes sixteen people in a group and they begin to talk about life and God and God and life. And they begin to help one another and they're aware of who's sick and who's this and who needs that and what's going on and, and they see themselves and someone else and, and and it's just this beautiful many facets. It's like a diamond, it's all these beautiful facets coming together to just glorify God. Small groups. You know, I'm so glad you're in them. Just get in small groups. That's why we do, we serve the city the way we do, to give people opportunities to get outside their, what, how they've planned out and set themselves up, huh? to get out there and to connect with people, to build the kingdom of God. That's why we did the GCAC banquet several weeks ago where we hosted at the PACC a whole dinner for the GACC, their staff and their board and their volunteers. And just this past week, we had our teens go out. Our teens do more than anything else. 50% of our ministry with teens is their volunteering. Because why are you going to tell somebody you could do something great when you don't even give them something great to do? Mm. Eric Erickson, one of the top psychologists, known to this country, that it's cruel when you tell a young person. So you hear the whole identity thing? That's Eric Erickson. He's the father of the whole concept of identity. He said when you tell a young person that they can do great things and that they were made for great things, and you don't even give them something to do, to challenge them, give them tasks, call them to something, it's cruel. You're setting themselves up. You're setting them up. For one day, great emptiness, great failure, great emotional depravity, he says. That's my words. Step out and do something great. I just lost myself there for a second. Hang in there. That's why so 50% of our teens, what they do here is serve. I don't know if you noticed that. When you go to an event, you'll see young people there helping, won't you? You know, all of it. When you, you walk around here today, young people are serving. We want them to serve their God. We want them to make a difference. We want them to build the kingdom. We want them to feel valued. Let them know that. Tell them that. Share that with them, huh? So GCAC, they were dressed up in a Ninja Turtle costume, walking around in front of the First Congregational Church. And you know what? People know them now. They know. Those must be the young kids, from the kids from Cherry Ch- Ch- City Church. And they're talking to people. And they found out, I guess, dressing up as a Ninja Turtle might not be the best thing because I guess they're violent people, these turtles. And I guess some kids interpret that as an invitation, to pop. And I actually saw it happen. One of them were dressed up and they got down to hug a kid and the kid said, bam. And I don't think he was being a bad kid. I just think that's, that's what we do now. You're, I'm a turtle, you're a turtle, let's fight. That's why we, it's why we served the city. This coming up, the first weekend in August, we'll do the Kid Zone out there in the city. Two days, we go down into the city and we, we put together a really impressive place and zone for kids to come, bounce houses, and it's just great. The city values it. They call us up and ask us, are you going to do it this year? We'd like you to do it this year takes like 50 volunteers to pull that off, and we've been doing it every year, but it gives people an opportunity, it gives you an opportunity to get outside your circumstances, get outside your plan, and to interact with God as you're doing it, to meet others, to build this city. This is what we do. In a few weeks, three, four weeks, when we go into the new building, we'll do our Summer Splash. Which, as many of you know, is a term we use for baptism. We make a big deal out of it. That people come now, you know, before God and before others and before their community and they profess their faith in Jesus Christ, that the old is gone and the new is come, right? Why do we do that? Why do we make such a big deal out of it, huh? To get you out of those circumstances, to get you out and to just live your faith large. To live in a way that's greater than just your present problems. All right, now, listen... Why don't you stand with me? We'll pray and we'll close this up. Would you bow your heads? If you do not know Jesus today, he is speaking to you. May I be so bold and yet at the same time so confident that he is speaking to you. He is stirring your soul. The Bible says perhaps he is setting his mark on your soul, that he's making a deposit, as it says in Ephesians, huh? meaning he's going to have his way with you. He created you. He loves you. He knows you. He is pursuing you. He's drawing you close to him. He's awakening you of your need of him. This morning now, would you respond to that? Would you respond with this awareness that life is short? Would you respond that you want to live for a greater purpose? And what greater purpose than serving and loving and glorifying the one true God? And that you feel there is an urgency to this, that now is the time when your attention has been gotten and you feel this sense that that what matters most to you is you are aware of this now and all these other frivolous things are diminished, but God is glowing right now in your heart and mind. That this morning you would turn around and turn to God. You would ask for his forgiveness for living apart from him. Huh? for being so far out of balance, huh? for maybe putting out your own plan and setting yourself up in your own way. But today, you thank him that he's joined you closer to him, that he's warned you and awakened you and has joined you close to him, that in this moment, all you need to do is literally reach out in the littlest, slightest way and by saying, God, forgive me, I need you and I want you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior, and that now, Now you are part of the kingdom of God. Now Jesus is your savior. Now you can live with confidence knowing that you have submitted yourself to the one true God. huh? And that your future is bright and filled with hope and peace and joy. If you're in here today, let's rejoice and thank God for his mercy that he's touched our lives. Let's thank God that we serve a God that reminds us continually that trouble is coming, that we might be falling short, that things are out of, what other proposed deity does this? God, we love you. We thank you for doing that, for giving us these warnings, for stirring our hearts. God, Holy Spirit, now empower us and fill us with courage to take those steps now, to trust in you, to make those changes, oh God, to heed the warnings, oh God, and to just bask right now in thanksgiving and praise, knowing the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen.